You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. Have you ever been looking for something for uh, an extended period of time and you, you, you continue to look for it and every second that you were looking for something, frustration grew? Kind of like a Mentos that you drop inside of a, a Coca-Cola, like the, the, the bubbles, the anxiety, the anger just continued to grow and grow and build and build until maybe you blew up or maybe you found the thing. Earlier this week, I uh, was making my lunch. My, my wife has this really cool lunchbox. And uh, for those of you who maybe have this weird thing about your food touching, uh, they make these cool lunchboxes with little dividers. Like there's, there's a divider you can put in here, maybe put your salad or, or whatever, and it has these little nice little utensils. And, and then in the top portion, it's got this little divided section here. And so I bring this to work with me on Monday, and uh, I get my food ready, and I'm warmed up, and I'm about to go back to my office to eat. And yet, I, I start looking for all my pieces, and I, I'm, I'm looking for this little strap right here. And I can't find it. And if you know anything about me, I'm not necessarily a calm person when it comes to uh, looking for something when I know I put it right daggum there. Like, I put it right there. Where did it go? If there was somebody else in the room, they were going to get blamed for taking it. Like, it was going to happen. And, but I'm by myself, so I can't blame anybody. And I'm just getting angry and frustrated and so I took a few seconds, and I kind of woosawed the moment, and I looked down at the counter, and it was right in front of me the entire time. I felt like a fool in that moment, because I got so worked up and so angry about something that I couldn't see that was right in front of me the entire time. And some of you in this moment are going, wow, we got a great pastor. He gets really angry over small things. And some of you are also going like, I feel that, like I get what you're Uh, that frustration that you have. So I repented in that moment and moved on with my day. But what I hope happens this morning is that we are going to look at this passage that is probably very familiar to your head and to your hearts, this passage of the prodigal son. And my hope is that you will see something new, something that maybe had been sitting in front of your eyes and your heart this entire time, but through the Lord and His sovereignty, we will see something new in this text. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me this morning. We're going to be looking at this story and this scenario that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. And so if you haven't been here, let me catch you up. So Jesus is surrounded by religious leaders, and he has been taking in with him, receiving, as they say, these sinners and eating with them. And as he's been taking in and receiving, as the scripture says, these sinners and eating with them, these religious leaders have kind of been circling him and and second guessing and even questioning, like, why are you doing this? And this word receiving that Luke uses is actually a Greek word that he uses about six different times throughout his writing. And every other time he uses this word to receive, it's a word that really means to eagerly await or to expect and look for. So in essence, Luke isn't just or Luke is telling us that Jesus didn't just receive these people because they were here. In some ways, he was going out and looking for them. He was 
eager to receive him. It's kind of like that moment, maybe you remember back in junior high uh, or maybe even high school or, or college, and you, you heard about that certain someone who was going to be somewhere, and so you didn't necessarily have the guts to, to speak to them or to approach them, but you would make sure that you were at the right place at the right time, right? Like you heard that Cindy Lou Who was going to the mall, and so you just decided, oh, Cindy's going to the mall today. I'm going to go to the mall. Maybe she will notice me. It's, it's a little more than that, but it's similar. Jesus sees these people, and he's going after them. He's pursuing them, and he's saying, I am going to eat with the people that these religious folks say that I shouldn't eat with. And so in this moment, Jesus is being called out by these religious people. And so Jesus tells them a couple of different stories. In the last couple of weeks, we looked at the first two stories, and today we're going to pick up this third story. And in the first two stories, Jesus likens himself to the person in the story who pursues after someone. And in this third story, we're going to see Jesus liken himself to the Father. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11, it says, And he said, and this is Jesus speaking, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Now, this is an important note in in this passage. We need to remember who these people are. Who is this prodigal son? Who is this family? Well, culture and context would give us that these are Jewish people. This is a, a Jewish young man, and this is a Jewish family. And so he would go into a and be a citizen of another country. This is kind of Luke's polite way of informing us that this Jewish boy goes into a Gentile area, meaning this goes, he goes into an area that is not like him culturally, not like him religiously. He is leaving everything he knew and that was comfortable to him and going into a very uncomfortable place, and a place where he might not always fit in, but hey, he had money, so it worked for him for a little while. And what happens? He runs out of money because the recession hits, and so he goes and gets a job. This Jewish boy in a non-Jewish country goes and gets a job, and not just any job, he gets a dishonorable job, a job working with pigs. And if you know anything about Jewish culture and the law, pigs were unclean. Deuteronomy 14.8 says, and the pig, because it parts the hoof, but does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. So a good Jewish boy would never go near this unclean animal, let alone keep watch of them. But we see that this boy is extremely desperate. And it calls us to a point that we need to remember that in order for us to see a revelation, we have to see rock bottom. And everyone's bottom, everyone's rock bottom is a little bit different. But in this moment, this boy gets to his rock 
bottom, and that's where he needed to be in order to see exactly what God wanted him to see. We'll continue to read the text. It says, And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. In this text, Luke uses the phrase, he came to himself, or you may see it as he came to his senses. This is a Hebrew Aramaic expression calling and notifying repentance. So in this moment, this young man is repentant. He has a heart that wants to turn from what he was and go to something now new. The son realized his wrongdoings and turns from those ways and decides to go back to the father. Now, we enjoy speaking about God's grace. And we love this picture of the father who's running after the son, but we get a little bit uncomfortable when we start having to deal with our own sin, our, our own rock bottom. But what God makes very clear in scriptures is that we have to confront the reality of our brokenness. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, a famous pastor who is now with the Lord. It says, sin and hell are married unless repentance proclaims the divorce. Sin and hell are married unless repentance proclaims the divorce. See, we cannot return to the Father without acknowledging where we are or where we have been and saying, I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to run away from that. And what I need all of us to understand is However and wherever you are coming from this morning, remember that you cannot move forward with God before you have walked away from your former life. Now, God is calling you just as you are, but he's calling you to turn. Now, that may be turning and carrying that baggage because there's only one chain breaker and he's Jesus. And so those chains may be weighing you down, but you can't continue to walk this direction in your old life, in your former self, as Scripture says. God says, in order for you to turn and come back to me, you have to say no and then turn. And you may be dragging weight and sin and scar tissue from your former life, but what Jesus says is, I've come to give you newness. I have come to give you a new heart and a new self. You no longer have to walk in the brokenness of your past. You're healed. You're whole. So son or daughter, come home. Jesus is the chain breaker. He will break every stronghold you have. Continuing the text, it says, but while he was still a long way off, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring my fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, is alive again. What was once lost is now found, and they began to celebrate. Notice that the father doesn't just hold back. The father doesn't just give the son his previous robe. No, what does the father do? He gives him a new robe. The robe held for guest and, and company that he's inviting in royalty to a certain degree. The father is expectant and excited that this son has re returned home. And then he, what does he say? He says he gives him a ring that gives him authority and power. And then he puts shoes on his feet, which separates him from a servant because a servant in the household at that time would not have had shoes. So the son comes home fully expecting to just kind of be a servant. But yet what does the father do? He says, no, 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 no. We're getting you shoes, homeboy. It's going to happen. You're working in my life. You're living here. You're not just going to be a servant. You are my son. And then they craft a feast and they celebrate. The son isn't just, hey, welcome home. He is completely adorned in celebration. The son's previous ignorances and bad decisions are wiped away when the father sees him. And he says, you have come home. What a joy that Jesus is sharing with us that no matter your poor decisions, no matter the things that have gone wrong in your life, God says, if you'll turn from those sins and come back to me, they're gone. They're gone. And I will lift you. I will celebrate you. And oftentimes, when we read this scripture, this is where people will stop. Because it's this beautiful picture of the son coming home. The father has received him. But there's more. And Jesus is making a point. And he's making a point to you and to me as well. So he continues in his story. And he says, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Why is there music and dancing, basically? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead. And is now alive. He was lost. And is now found. So Jesus shifts this story that many would say focuses on the young son, and he shifts this story to the older son. And this older son represents those religious leaders that we spoke of earlier surrounding 
Jesus. Jesus wants to make sure that they understand what's happening. This isn't just a story of repentance. This is a story aimed directly at their hearts. See, the older son's attitude toward the younger son mirrors the attitude of the religious leaders towards the sinners that Jesus was receiving, towards the sinners that Jesus was eating with. Notice that the older brother wouldn't even call the son by name or take ownership and say, my brother. What did he call him? He said, this son of yours. He won't even claim him. Jesus is showing them and us that our religiousness is not the desired outcome of a relationship with God. A relationship with God makes us new creations through Christ and we will walk in that newness. James says that faith without works is dead. It's not all about how often you attend church or how many good works that you do or how well you give. All of those things are a part of the picture. They are the exclamation point at the end of the sentence as opposed to the period. When we are actively involved in the body, when we give well to God's church, when we support those in need, when we speak for those who don't have a voice, we are proclaiming our faith to the nations. We do not do those things to earn God. God has come freely like the Father who left the porch and ran after us. And He is calling you to not wear this cape or this suit of religiosity. He's calling you to follow after Him. We can't be like the older brother and only accept those who look like us, who speak like us, who fit into our little circles. We must cry out to the world and say, the Father is calling you son it's calling you daughter home. We have to use that ugly word oftentimes of repentance. I, I feel like there's like some stigma about this word, but we, we've got to, as a church, begin to own it. We begin to live in a state of repentance because we can't walk with Jesus and with our former self. That is not the call of God. He has said, come and die so that you may live again. You may have heard this story called the prodigal son. But in reality, it might need to be called the forgiving father. Because the story isn't about the son. The story isn't about this boy who made poor decisions and then in his own will decided to come home and there just happened to be a gracious father there. No, this story is not about him. This story is about God, the Father, who says, come home, all ye who are weary, 
all you who are heavy laden, all you who are broken and damaged, come home. It's about His forgiveness to us. Your life is not about you. You will find your best life when you lose your life and find Jesus. That's what this story is for. Your life isn't about you. Your life is best fulfilled when you die and let Christ live through you. That's why you were born. That's why you exist. So that you can live through Christ. And so that experience, that, that moment that changes you forever will then go on and change someone else. Just as the gospel came to you, it is going to someone else. Amy's brother is serving a overseas. Well, no, he's not. He's serving in Hawaii. It is overseas, but it's in, in our country. And he went to church recently. He just got to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and he went to a local church, and he heard a pastor say that if, if Christians stopped sharing the gospel, the church would die. And I loved his response. He said, that's not true. He said, Christ is sovereign. Christ is in control of all things, and so it's not up to you or to me. Now, I think that's a, a difficult question to answer, and I'm not going to answer it right now because the reality is God calls you and I to preach the gospel. He says through Paul in Romans 10, like, if no one goes and takes the word, how is someone to respond to the word? How, how is someone supposed to say, I believe in Jesus, if no one first went to them and told them of who to believe in? And so I think the picture that we need to remember in this story is that God is not just calling you home to put up your lazy boy chair and put your feet up and chill. The celebration is huge. God pursues after you, but he's calling you home to get to work. He's calling you home so that we can go and proclaim to others this unfathomable at times love of Jesus that looks at us in all of our brokenness and he says what you've done it's erased what you've thought it's erased the decisions that you've made it's erased son and daughter of the living king you have come home I want you to know that this week there are moments in all of our weeks where we could just go through the mundane and we could treat life like this lunchbox. We see it every day. We take off the, the strap that makes this thing really cool and then we could get frustrated when we can't find it. Or we could look at it with fresh eyes and we could go, you know what? I know my Mondays look the same and my Tuesdays look the same and my Wednesdays and all the things of the mundane life look the same, but God came today and He woke me up for a purpose. He woke me up to, to see the sunshine, to see the rain, to share the good news with someone, to love on someone who needs to be loved. 
Maybe your day tomorrow will happen just so that you can share a good word with someone, so you can encourage them. Put on fresh eyes. Don't walk in your former life. Walk in the newness of Christ because that's what he's called you to do. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, I'd encourage you to do so. What, what does that mean? It just basically means this. Exactly like what the Father and the Son does. God calls us to repent of our sin. Our sin has separated us from God. We were created perfect and then we fell. We chose sin. We chose to do the wrong thing. And because of that sin, we're separated forever. And it says we will receive death. Not only just physical death, but then spiritual death as well. And then God sends His Son Jesus to defeat death. And it doesn't defeat physical death right there. He defeats spiritual death. And so what, through Jesus, we have everlasting life. And what Jesus says, if you will turn from your former life and come to me, I will give you newness of Christ. I will give you a new life. And so all you've got to do is say, God, I repent and I turn to you. I, I trust in you, Jesus. I'd encourage you to say that prayer this morning if you've never done it. For those of you who have said that prayer and you've been walking in the newness of life, I would encourage you to look at maybe the religiosity in your life this morning. Do you have any? Do you have this kind of suit and, and tie feeling, this pharisaical scribe tie about faith? Like we have to do these actions in order to please God or do you have a faith that comes from God and works because of God, not for And if you find yourself in that place of kind of suit and tie religiosity, I would just call you to repent. Just say, God, reveal it to me. Reveal the areas in my life where I need to give over to you this morning. Reveal to to me those areas where maybe I'm going through the motions of following after you. Our God changes us from the inside out. Our outward expressions are exactly that. They are expressions of a new heart and a new life in Jesus. May we as people, as this church, live that out in every area of our life.